praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that love produces the harvest. Amen. Love produces the harvest. And uh, <clears throat> I was <clears throat> watching in the word, you know, uh, God has been really speaking to me recently about how important it is for us to study and meditate on the word. I mean, that, that's true all the time, but there are certain seasons and certain times and, and certain events that are happening in the earth where we are, we need to protect the investment of faith in our hearts and we need to protect the investment of his power and his word in our hearts so it doesn't go flat on us we don't run out of steam we don't uh run into error you know really because it's it's a daily walk with god that produces uh our protection that produces fruit in our lives that allows us to be able to um you know really expect with confidence the things that God has promised to us. I mean, there's no reason why we should not be able to confidently expect God to answer prayer. You know, faith is confidence. One of the aspects of faith is confidence. Uh, faith also is, is evidence. So people say, uh, well, I'm waiting on a manifestation. Your faith is your manifestation. That's a type of manifestation of the promise because if it weren't real, you would your faith wouldn't uh, latch on. The faith of the Son of God can only latch on to His Word. So God's faith that dwells. Are you messing with my little niece there? Or are you being kind to my little niece? Or are you messing with her? Oh, okay, good. All right. So just checking, just checking. Oh, that's your baby. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> She's only my little niece, but that's okay. It's okay. I'll stand in line. But anyway, but uh, thank you. Thank you, Sister John. But uh, (laughs) but yeah, God does want us to always be mindful of protecting the word that's in us and also strengthening. You know, there's more word that we need to meditate on. There's more growth. There's more to produce. There's more harvest. There's more. And your harvest is first spiritual and then it's natural. So you have a spiritual harvest when you plant the word in your heart because you, your heart is, is your spirit. You know, you are a spirit. And so God deals with us as spirits. But because that word, that spiritual word has an impact in every aspect of our lives, it permeates and affects the natural as well so a word that you the word that you hear and you meditate on and you embrace it and you believe it and then you start to obey it in your life you know walk walk in the power of it uh you know and and you know we all have stumbles trial and error we get out there and try stuff and it doesn't quite work the way we want it to but faith keeps telling you get up and do it again amen (laughs) get up and do it again and so it's 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 just like that you know there is and so we get this understanding that there's no fail on the inside of us when we when we are in touch with god and his word and and faith in his word so the word will never fail and and we have evidence of that on the inside of us and so god wants us to always protect that he wants us to strengthen it he wants us to let that word help us to go into areas that we have not gone before and i think that's the thing that he's um 
impressing upon me that there, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Lord is saying this. He said, there is a comfort zone that my people have become accustomed to living in. And the Lord's saying you, there's a certain level of faith that you've acquired thus far. You can do this with your faith. You can do that with your faith. It's almost as though you are in a comfortable house and you know all the rooms. But the Lord is saying, I want to put additions to this house. I want to enlarge the borders of your tent. I want you to stretch out. So it's now not only add a room, but add a level. Not just an extra little something for you to be able to retreat to. Man cave. She shed. And the Lord said, I'm I'm way beyond that. He said, because you can man cave and she shed yourself. But he's saying, I want to expand you to the place where you have never gone before and never thought of being and never thought you could get there says the spirit of a living god but i can't take you there in your comfort zone i'm gonna have to move you out of that and some of you are getting to the point where you're thinking i can't go through this again i've been through this already this is like where am i going this time it's like a merry-go-round And the Lord is saying, it's not going to happen this time because I am going to force you to think bigger. There are going to come some thoughts to you that you can't push out of your mind. There come some thoughts to you where you may have been able to reject them in the past. You reject them no more because they will weigh on you and they will press you like you have never been pressed before, says the Spirit of God. And this is my doing, and it's marvelous in your eyes because you have never seen or heard or understood any of what I have in store for you. And so this is why I'm pressing you to press. I'm pressing you to press into the word. I'm pressing you to press beyond where you're comfortable, beyond where you can add it all up and it makes sense to you, beyond where your friends are, beyond where uh, your needs are met, way beyond, says the Spirit of God. And I'm going to have to get you to disconnect from the comfortable. Then you were going to have to grab on. <laughs> now, what he's showing me is an elephant coming to the edge of a cliff and he sees a twig and he grabs on to that. He said, and that's what it's going to feel like for some of you. That you're holding on to this little twig, but that's all you know. That's me. He said, but if you hold on to this little twig, I will come and support you and even add more. But I got to have you out of where you're familiar and on to where I want you so that I can do what I want to do in the earth, not just for you, but also for me, for my glory. Says the spirit of the living God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, 
Mother Terrell, you travel much recently? You don't, but you used to, didn't you? You did. Well, the Lord is telling me to get ready because you're going to hang on to a little twig of faith. Because there are some things that you wanted to do for him that you haven't gotten to do yet. They're still in your heart to do. And he says, I'm going to bring you to a place where that's all you can think about. That's all you can see. And that will be the only door that seems to be available to you. He says, and you're going to do it. He said, because it's in your heart to do it. He said, and, and I don't want to see anybody downhearted because they couldn't accomplish. Because I'll accomplish it, says the Lord. I'll accomplish it through you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And he knows what he's got to do to prepare you for that. And it's done. Amen. It's done. Just count it done. Not a problem is what he's telling me to tell you. Not a problem. Praise God. Amen. 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 Okay. So we'll get back into the word. Amen. So if we go to Luke chapter 8, and we'll start. This is a parable about the seed and the sower. This is very familiar to all of us. and It's going to get familiar again because I believe this is a key to how God wants us to live with respect to his word. Amen. This is how we live. God's word is seed. Uh, the Bible clearly says that, and it must be planted to get the results that we want. Now, how do we plant seed? Well, we first, you hide the word in your heart. Before you talk about praying anything or saying anything or confessing anything, it must be in your heart. And that's what I, sometimes when I criticize the confession, I'm talking about the empty confession. Where the word is not hidden in your heart. It's just something in your head and you think you want it. Uh, you know, like this is a shopping excursion and not a relationship with God. And so many times people are confessing the word. And, you know, you'll even hear people say some things and you think to yourself, oh, that's how you do that. But if that were, if some of the stuff we hear people say and, and we say, Oh, that's how you do that. But you don't follow through on it. If it were really God, you would. I mean, I think that's that's just my thought. Like I'll hear people say things like, oh, um, oh, I started confessing for this or that or the other. Uh, and it took, uh, you know, Six months, two years, seven years to get it. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's good. That's wonderful. But you ain't turned on by it. You know, you don't give and say, I'll take two of those and, and you know, run off with it. Because I think really we don't know how long it takes for stuff. I mean, you're trying to keep up with it. And and see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to control God, I believe. When you put a time limit on something where you, you've got to confess the word for three years to get so-and-so and such and such. 
I remember somebody giving a testimony about we started believing God for uh, somebody to give $10,000 to our ministry. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not bragging, but people gave us $10,000 and I confess nothing. In fact, I was quite shocked. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that to say don't confess the word, but I'm saying get God off your clock. Get him off your time. Get him out of time because God is out in eternity. And he's not guided by time. He's not, you know, we are because we're, you know what it is? We want to confess it and then quit and then go do something else. Because we're cheaters, basically. Because if you were in love with the word, like we say we love God, we wouldn't keep a time limit on how long we got to confess something to get something. I just think that's awful. It's downright unappealing. I cook you how much chicken before you get me a new pair of shoes? Think about it. Poor man, poor upbringing. It just speaks of all that to me. So crass, carnal, and unappealing, you know. You don't do that to people. Why would you try to do that to God? And I'm not saying that it won't take a certain length of time for certain things. But in your waiting, there's a relationship with God that you can have. Huh? You don't live in a marriage from paycheck to paycheck. I mean, either for your bills or anything or for your your affection toward that person you're married to. Am I right, Ray? I better get nice on Thursday. Huh? Jump in the shower real quick before you come home. Hey! Some of the brothers leave you in there, let you drown. (laughs) They don't come home till Saturday morning. Then what you gonna do? Thank you, Sherette. And we got to love, love him back. Uh, not our little half-baked stuff, you know, a little attending his heart so that you don't sin against him and, 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 and you know, mess up the covenant that you have, you know, and, and, and get into error and run amiss of what God has for you. You got to want him. You got to want to serve him. You got to want to honor him as God. You know, just above all things, you understand what I'm every day. Get up in the morning. God, hey, it's Barb. I'm up. Amen. This is our time. Yeah. What What do you want to say to me? You know, sometimes you can contact God through reading the word and sometimes through maybe a familiar tape that you're trying to get some revelation out of. Remember when we used to buy a cassette years ago and we passed it around to so many? We wore that thing out. And now we just kind of, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. You know, it, it it is a marriage that we have with God. You know, at a certain time and length of time after you've been married for a while, 
you know, you, you kind of like, and I'm not talking about this little date night stuff people are doing. I'm talking about where people live. You know what I'm saying? You don't live on date night. I don't know. Maybe I was just married too long, but <laughs> I lived where the rubber met the road. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I lived in a, a situation where I had a husband that wasn't as close to God as he needed to be to be peaceful in his life. And that made me not peaceful and have to pray for him. See, to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's not in, in, have you put on pounds? Yeah, I put on pounds. What you gonna do about it? If you can do more about it than I can, then help yourself. You understand what I'm saying? But this is real life, folks. You don't live in the gym so you don't embarrass your spouse. You know, Christians go around saying that old crazy stuff. You mean your relationship is so fragile and so cheap and so superficial? You know, you hit 45 and your your hormones take a nosedive, you're going to put on some weight somewhere. Unless you stay up in the, uh, who are some people, the botched people? <laughs> I want to be perfect. Huh? We don't have time for, Christians don't have time for that nonsense. You got to learn how to, to evaluate your life totally by the Spirit of God. Just totally by spiritual things and spiritual truth. And deal with that. You have to deal, you have to find out what's important to God. For you, your family, the church you're in, the, your ministry, everything. And, and so in, in doing this, we have to cultivate a relationship with Him through the Word. I was, you know, talking about how the Word is sown in our hearts. How do we hear the Word? It's so very important in in how we live with God and how we live for God. So, okay, so here we're in in Luke chapter 8 and starting in verse, I'll go down to 11 because it really repeats and expands on what has been said before. So Jesus is is, uh, taking the disciples aside. To explain to them something he's preached publicly already. So the way we do it in this day and age is you get your tapes, you get your CDs, you get your this. And once you've heard the sermon in in the reality of, of the congregation, then you take it aside and you want to delve into it and get deeper understanding. This is the same thing that he's doing here. And so this is, this is the true disciple is somebody who's going after the word and pursuing the word so that he hears it correctly. So he says in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then comes the devil, takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved or delivered or healed. Or whatever it is that comes under that heading of getting results from the word. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. And which for a while they believe and in time of temptation fall away. 
They which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Not counting how long you got to confess something. Amen. But do it with patience. Now, it's important how you hear really what what this parable is saying, that there are four different categories of how you hear the word. Amen. So if you're if say like this sermon is going forth and, and everybody's paying attention and and, uh, you know, I mean, your attention span goes and then it comes and then you yank yourself back. And huh? that's why I have to do a little shooby dooby do every now and then and get y'all. And if that don't work, I'm still going across the street. I haven't done it yet, but that is an option for me. But how we hear. The people on the wayside, the first ones we talked about, those are the people who hear it casually. And let me tell you how that happens. You hear a scripture that sounds familiar to you. And the fact that it is familiar to you causes you to pay less attention to it. You ever notice that? You're like, oh, yeah, I know that. And then you shut the ears down, man. And so that's that's by the wayside. It never really got a chance to take a root in you because you turned your attention so quickly away from it and it wasn't able to penetrate. On the rock are those people who are easily duped and challenged by, by Satan. I call that your issue-oriented Christian. Huh? I didn't get enough love. I didn't get enough hugs. You know, we're so we're so impoverished. But the Bible says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the king." You you get your your results. You get your feel. You just got to recognize that you got to lean in a little harder to get that word because you got so much junk. And the minute you you get away from church people. The devil will say stuff like, well, you don't believe that, do you? You can't have God. Really? God's going to use you to heal the sick? God's going to use Really? You can't heal nobody? That's for them people. He's talking to them people over there that's been there a long time. I've been there, you know, You know how that is. And see, we listen to carnal conversation all the time orchestrated by the devil to steal the word immediately when it's sung. He doesn't even give you a chance to get by yourself. He'll sit there on your shoulder in the service and tell you that's not for you. You can't do that. Who do you think? Well, that's, yeah, you might do that, but not right now. Huh? You can't do that right now. When Jesus said go, he said, wait, no, don't go yet, but wait till you get power. Huh? You got the power. You pray in tongues. You got it. So go. See, this is how they turn the world upside down from revivals. People would come in there and they would spend two or three days in, in that atmosphere of the spirit. And God would start to speak to them and tell you, I want you to go from here. That was why the, the, uh, the, uh, 
uh, missionaries. There were so many missionaries that left that area in Azusa Street, California, because it was easy to hop on a boat and get over to Asia. You see what I'm saying? And they went and turned Asia upside down with the gospel. Many of them to Africa, many places, and just God just sent people out because they believed what they they read in the Bible. You are endued with power from on high. And it's up to you to work with God to learn how to use it. Amen. And they were in faith. They stepped out and they were willing to use it. And I'm telling you, God's going to do people like that. In fact, he does people like that all the time. We just don't know about them. We know about people who can get on TV because they got a lot of money to get on there. But God will get anybody that's that's uh, born again and can hear his voice and get filled with the power of God and use them in, in mighty things. It's best to let him use you as he wants to use you instead of you trying to make a big splash of yourself. You understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, people think they got more than what they have. And you sit up there and look at them and say, now, wait a minute. You got a camera following you and that's all you doing for God? I mean, not that I'm, I'm begrudging them that, but, but give him honor. Give him glory. Let him have, let him have, you can, you can be the greatest evangelist in your city. Nobody know it because you're with homeless people. Because you're not on television bragging about it. You're not anywhere telling about it. But the new ones, see, because somebody's got money and can get on TV that they have a great ministry. Don't fool yourself. You're the minister. God wants believers to do these things. And the more believers can get uh empowered and energized and and stay in your word and stay confident in God the greater things God can do in this earth because it's not going to be done by ministers only in fact we all know better than that amen so God wants to use all believers everybody so the word when when the when it was on the rock we talked about that challenged by satan easily duped huh that's not for you. He talks you out of the word. In in uh, verse 14, choking the word. The word is choked by too many thorns. He said, that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with what? The cares of this life and riches and pleasures, things pertaining to this life. So if if the enemy can distract you by saying, well, you can't really do that for God right now. You got to go do this. You got to go do that. It chokes the word. And even that word that you want to hold on to that you need desperately for your life won't be beneficial to you because of of the distraction, the things in your mind, the things that challenge you. For your money, your time, your energy, all that kind of stuff. They choke the word and the, the word that you really do have in you is not as product, productive and fruitful because you got all this other stuff chomping down on it, hemming it in, crowding it out. And so you can know the word, you can understand some things about God, but if you don't give it the freedom 
it needs to have in your life to really run your life, it's not going to be productive for you. That's how you see a lot of people been in church for many, many years and they it, it they haven't caught it yet. They haven't grabbed it yet. They it hasn't in other words, it hasn't grabbed them. Let me put it to you that way. And so that 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 word choke means to suffocate. The word of God suffocates in people who have all kinds of things on their mind all the time. It means to throng or surround and crowd it out and make it unfruitful. So that you can your mind can be crammed full of other stuff that needs to be done. I'm telling you, as believers, we don't have a whole lot of t- time for shenanigans and nonsense. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? If you've got a lot of free time, get back in your word. Because there's so much that God wants to do through us. So much, you have no clue what God puts you here for until you start to get more productive in the word of God. Let that word work the work it wants to do in you. Don't be afraid of letting that word loose in you so that it can do what it wants to do. I remember the Copelands were uh, sharing a testimony that they had made an agreement uh, uh, Gloria and, and Ken made an agreement that when they saw something in the word, they determined to to do it, to obey it, you know, immediately. And sure, they stumbled and sure, they got stuff wrong and sure, they made mistakes. But you only you only prosper if you get out and step out in faith and begin to do something. Amen. God can stop a a, a runaway freight train. But he can't beat a dead horse. So if you're going to be a dead horse, he's something's going to have to come up and motivate you. But if you're already motivated and you're out there running for God and you're just like people, people will be criticized because, well, they didn't do this right. They didn't do that. I, I remember uh, uh, Brother Hagen said that uh he was teaching, you know, one of his classes, you know, he, he started Rama out there in Tulsa and one of his classes some of the students went I think to a hot I think they might have gone to a funeral home heard that somebody had passed away and they prayed for that person to raise them from the dead and they were not successful at it so the other students found out about it and came back and started making fun of the students that had gone because they failed and they were going on about it, and Brother Hagen got wind of it, and he said, well, at least I got some people who have enough courage to get up and try to do something with the word. He said, what are you doing with that word? You take notes, you come here every every time you got your certificate, and you do nothing with it, you know. That, that place turned out so many do-nothing ministers. Because when when you have a famous name, everybody wants to be a part of what you're doing, but not them all sent by God. All, if it all it takes is money and you show up. So many people are not going to do much with the word. And this is why it, it, it gets to be unfruitful depending upon how we put the word on the inside of us. You know, sometimes you'll have symptoms that may linger for a while. And you'll think, well, God, I'm in the word. I'm putting in the word. I'm doing the best I can do. And all that self-pity is not going to get you healed. <laughs> now, don't come to God with, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. What we're really saying is, God, 
When can I stop being diligent about the word like I'm being? When can I quit this and go back to my shenanigans and goofing off? And It is true. We don't want to be tied down to anything. Huh? I remember Joyce Meyer was saying something. She said she knew God wanted to do something in her. She didn't want it. She said she remembers when she she had started out on her knees praying. And she said she remembered getting flat prostrate on the floor, holding on to the legs of the chair so she wouldn't resist God. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm telling you. It's it's not just a get in the word, get your healing, confess a little bit. Some things will move with not a whole lot of effort. But suppose you got to put forth the effort. Suppose it will take time. Suppose it'll take a lot of time. Suppose it'll take your lifetime. Are you still willing to obey God? See, this is this is the whole thing. We want to cheat, folks. That's our biggest problem. We want to, when we hear a, a seven steps to answer prayer, how to get your needs met by God. Say it and grab it. Not blab it and grab it. Huh? We like the easy way. And what God is saying here is that this word has got to be respected. It's got to be respected because the word is God. Amen. It is God. And it's easy to be casual about the things of God. So what I like to focus on really is verse 15. It says that, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So that's a big, that's a pretty tall order. Amen. To always have your, your, um, word sown on good ground. Suppose you are doing the best you can and it's still not producing for you. Then what do you do? No. See, we can never be so confident that we're doing everything right or doing everything. See, God knows when we're trying to cheat. He knows when you got that, I'm going to do it right, I can get it all right, I'm going to do it right, I'm going to get it all right. The A student, the spiritual A student, huh? used to cramming and doing what we got to do. And when we get that A, oh, we got it made. I have an A. Well, how do you get an A in God? Huh? And is that important? Is that really what God's looking for? See, looking for people that do things right all the time. And if you if you mess up and do something wrong, then where do you go? I mean, if it's so important to you to be right all the time. See, some of the people who, who get the most correction get it because they're, they're going somewhere. Now we don't believe that because we think if, if the word never spanks us, corrects us, convicts us, we must be doing everything right. We must be okay. 
But the word is going to work on us to correct us anyway. It should because we got a lot of stuff in us that needs correcting. Now, we don't manifest the bad all the time. And nobody knows it but you and God. But really, we're we're in process of being made. He's the potter. We're the clay. That wouldn't be in the Bible if it didn't mean we had stuff that needs correcting. We have stuff that needs shaping. We have stuff that needs breaking and pouring water on it and remolding it and reshaping it. Amen? So we're always a work in progress. But oftentimes, we want to think. The carnal mind wants to think. That if you do this right, this right, this right, this right, and this right, you're okay. But God doesn't want you okay. He wants you conformed to the image of his son. And that's something only God can do. You don't even know the end result of what God's doing in your life until you let him have total freedom to do whatever it is that he wants to do. I remember when we first started having glory impartations. And I was telling the Lord, I said, well, God, that's a lot of power. I said, what should we do differently, you know, now that, that you show up and manifest like that? I remember the the first time that happened, I remember God said, he said, I told you, uh, I told Moses that I will to pass by me and and I would, the glory would follow him. And I said, oh, okay, God, I'll do that. And we did it in an altar call, and I walked by people, and they felt like dominoes. And you notice I don't do it every meeting. In fact, I I do it a little more now than I ever have, but I don't try to demonstrate the power because I know that's not exactly what it's for. See, we all have it. If I if if I come up to Miss Nola and I say, "Well, Nola, I want you to go lay hands on somebody," I can generate enough power in God for her to go lay hands on. We go around here and hit everybody, and boom, boom, boom. Except for the religious people that ain't gonna fall for nobody. I'm not talking about that. You understand what I'm saying? You gonna always have, but if people, I'm talking about people who yield to the power of God. And so my question to God was, now that you're here. What do we do? And he never spoke to me about it again for many years. In fact, just recently in the past few, I'd say a couple, three or four years, maybe five years, he's telling me to declare his glory. Talk about it. Speak about it. Talk it up. And it will come in manifestation with instruction to tell you what to do. Because what we have many times is we've got people that have the power but no instruction. You can have an impartation. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can go around laying hands on people. And the power of God is there with you to demonstrate that he's with you. But after they get up, then what? See, you have to know how to work with the Spirit of God. you got to know how to speak into the Spirit of God. You've got to know. Now, that that testimony nola was talking about that she prayed for that man i told that testimony many years ago my husband was alive then because i went to the jewelry store regularly when he was alive (laughs) just to be there to have my name known i'm telling you i wasn't looking to pray for nobody when i was looking for something and i knew he was going to be home at five o'clock and it was like four something So I was in a rush. 
God will use you in a rush. You know, you don't you don't have to be want really wanting to be wonderful and glorious. And that lady, she was showing me stuff in there. I said, let me see this real quick. And she said, uh, oh, okay, I'll show it to you. And and she was saying, oh, my, my thumbs. And I said, what's wrong with your thumbs? Show me this right here. <laughs> I'm serious. Who's, what's wrong with your thumbs? You know, I can't say that's my flesh that wants jewelry all the time. you doubt me i can't say it's my spirit either (laughs) it's just me going up at a jewelry store gathering ideas for hint throwing later you know this is how you live (laughs) come on now so uh so she's telling me, and she says, oh, she said, my thumb, she says, I have some some kind of condition. She said, they won't bend. And I said, really? I said, show me this right here. So I'm on the clock. That brother get home. I got to have that, 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 and that all in place. And we ain't got much time. So I said, now, listen, I'm going to pray for your thumbs in a minute. <laughs> Not terrible. I wasn't holy. I wasn't reverent. I was in a hurry. And I meant to get everything done that I came in the jewelry store to get done. Because I ain't supposed to be up in there. Now here God will take you on the illegal shopping trip. In a bootleg situation. Something you got no business. So I told her. I said I'm going to pray for them thumbs. And baby, show me this right here first. And so <laughs> That's terrible. Isn't that bad? See, the Holy Ghost wants to heal more, her more, than he wants to straighten me out because I ain't acting right. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's the compassion of God for somebody with a need. And, and so, and, and trust me, I don't ride the edge. I don't try to play God like that. But, you know, I'm I'm in a hurry. And I'm thinking, well, God, you just showed up and told me. So anyway... Uh, you know, after I see it, I, oh, I ain't, this ain't what I want. Okay, um, so I grabbed her thumbs and I said, I said, Father, I thank you for healing her thumbs. Heal her, Jesus. Amen. And I said, I'll bend them. And she says, ah, you know, because she had told me she'd been praying for them. She said, I pray every night. I rub them every night. Oh, God, please heal them. Please. Well, that was her day. You understand? That was her day to receive her healing. Now, if God will use <laughs> moi, you understand what I'm saying? Bootleg shopping, got no business up in there. But he knows where he can find me. And he don't care where he finds you, pretty much. Because if he was waiting for us to be perfect, we, he couldn't use us. And where Where would he get people like that from? But, you know, I love God and I'm as reverent as, but that was, I was pressed that day. But, but <laughs> I did learn something. You know, I go back and later talk to God about these things. I said, God, I'm real sorry. I shouldn't have done that like that. You know, but what must that lady think about me? He said, he don't, she don't think nothing about you. She thinks she's healed. You know, that's, that's all I wanted her. 
It ain't about you anyway. I mean, people who work in a jewelry store need Jesus too. Huh? Where was I anyway? I'm trying to get to my... <laughs> But how many years ago was that? No, that's over 20 years ago. And see, that word's in her heart. The spirit of prophecy spoke into her heart that that's a possibility. And that's for you. And see, when it's planted in your heart and it's a desire that you... The Bible says to earnestly covet the best gifts. We're supposed to desire the gifts of God. That are, are necessary. The gifts of God are necessary to do a job for God. We can't help each other with, with one another's opinions and advice and all that. Stop doing that. We have the word of God, which is a, a sure word of prophecy. Amen. And so God wants us, amen, to be able to use his word skillfully. That word will try us, but if we will, will endeavor to have good ground, a good and honest heart for God to sow that seed in, sow the seed of the word, then it will of its own bring forth. Amen. It'll bring forth uh, great things in God. A pure heart is one that is tender toward God and humbles itself to his word. It's a pure heart, man. No deceit. No. uh um, ulterior motives, you know what I'm saying? Just a heart that's that's open to whatever God wants us to have. It's a worshipful heart that's yielded to God, that only wants what God wants. It's a heart that's fixed on God. Doesn't deviate, doesn't veer off, doesn't Go here, wander, go here, you know, the cares of this life, choking out the word. You know, this the the spirit of the world is on accelerated time. You know what I mean? Uh, if you look at, uh, like if we used to, we used to have what they call cell phones, flip phones. Now we got smartphones. We got, and this has happened like in the last 15 to 20 years that they've been made available to everybody. And so if you think about the fact that technology is increasing at that type of a rapid rate where things that were totally new are now obsolete five or six years later, you'll see that that the world is on accelerated time. And the Bible says the devil knows he has a short time on the earth. So he's the one that's always rushing people, pushing them. Uh, busy, 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 too busy for God. You know, remember Pharaoh? That's what that spirit is. It, it will, it tells you when, when Moses said, let the, the people of God go so they can go in the wilderness and worship God. He said, you're lazy. Huh? Pharaoh was like a Jamaican. You need tree job, man. You only, you're lazy ting. You only got one job. You, you make bricks. I, I do the stuff for you. You make your own stuff now. You know, every day when they had, he was supplying the mortar. He said, no, you make your mortar yourself. If you got time to waste on God going to worship, then you can do more work. And that's what that spirit drives people to do. 
Amen. Now you got a, a what a gig and a, a side gig and a side gig on the other uh, side hustle on the, on top of the side gig and the side hustle. And why are people doing that? They're being driven. Now they think they're doing it for a good reason, but they're really being driven. There's something that grabs people. Of course, I've had an immunity to it for many, many years. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Somebody, I think it was, who was it was, when Bridget was like 14. Your wife got a job at 14, got mad at her mother because she wouldn't let her work. And I said, where does she get ideas like, not from, not from our side of the family, I can assure you. you know, what's wrong with her? <laughs> I'm the original lounge person, you know. Huh? But I meditate. I do a lot of meditating and creative writing and whatever, but. Huh? I saw in the Bible where Adam was created first. And what was he doing? Working? Oh, well. Huh? That settles the whole issue for me. He found him working. Am I right, Poppy? Huh? He didn't like it either. (laughs) So what did God do? Huh? He said it's not good for him to be by himself. So he created the woman as what? No, 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 no. First, we were the companion. We were company, honey. Now, what version of the Bible y'all been reading? No, she came to help his not good situation. Adam, you've been by yourself. Now you have me. I'm company. And how do you treat company? You don't put them to work. Huh? (laughs) I'm messing with y'all. Huh? But it's a thought. Because when he left her on her own, things didn't go well. Let me think now. I can't remember what tree it was. See, I just don't know how to cook. It's just so stressful. Huh? Um, I'll mess with y'all. I'm going to leave y'all alone. Huh? <laughs> See, y'all still waiting for me to tell you she was there to work, right? They're working. It's okay. It's okay to work. No. No, you worked that from the company thing first. I'm I'm your company. And where are you going or what are you involved in? And I'll see if I can fit in somewhere. If I can we'll hire some help. Whatever. I don't know. Anyway, mess with y'all. Huh? Now preaching is work. Study is work. <laughs> it is. Y'all just see this one or two hours. 
You understand what I'm saying? But you don't know what goes into that. <laughs> so we work. But that ain't our first job. We're helpers. Companions. We're the support system. The cheerleader. Poppy. You get cheerful when the missus is around, right? Sure. That's what I'm talking about. Better be. Huh? That's what I'm talking about. Been trying to get it back ever since, right? <laughs> you got to embrace it to get it back. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Got to treat it right. Amen. Amen. But the wife is the helper. She's not the breadwinner. That's what I want to teach y'all. She's the helper. And if you're going to go far in life with God, you've got to find the plan of God. So that the man can go forth and the wife can help. You got me? Support. You got some little peats and repeats running around there? You understand what I'm saying? You need support to take care of all of that. And so in working together, if you don't get your roles mixed up and get your roles reversed, you'll do very well in God. So we're going to leave that subject and get back on to the word. Because the pure soil of your heart is where God wants to plant his word. If you can keep the devil from messing with your relationships, with your heart, with your relationship to God, all of that stuff, you can keep your heart pure before God. Don't let anything uh, um, evil enter into your heart. And there are going to be many opportunities for that to happen. Many things happen to offend us just because we're Christians. Amen. There's so many things that we can't get involved in. It's easy for people to rub us the wrong way when they're involved in those things. But we have to respond in love. We have to respond in the way God would have us respond. We can't retaliate. We can't get even. We can't put people down. You know, it's a fine line. And so God then wants to have people that he can count on us to keep the word on the inside of us, that word established in us so that we can be skillful in the word just like you break up soil when you want to plant natural seeds our hearts have to be broken up from the hardness and resistance to the word sometimes god will will start feeding you scriptures about things that you never thought you'd get involved in in life and you can't overlook that and say i don't want to believe that because that's not for me you you can't yourself discriminate the word and say that's not applicable to my life it's not this it's not that sometimes people will get you know i've seen people who uh somehow love to travel it didn't hurt them one bit to go to a foreign country they don't know the language they don't know anybody and they go there and they have a great time and many times it's a sign of the call of god to go into all the world Because there's a grace there already on their lives so that they're not a stranger anywhere. They're not they don't feel rejected anywhere that they go. They can be with people of a totally different color and feel right at home. And so there is a grace in God sometimes that shows up in our natural man even that makes us conducive to certain things that he would call us to.
and look for God to start speaking to you from his word in those areas and embrace those things. Don't ever count yourself out of doing anything that God tells you or lays on your heart to do. And many times we feel like, well, I don't want to be hopping airplanes and I don't want to go here, there and everywhere. But if God has put it in you, you can't stop yourself from doing it. So don't look at that scripture and say, that's not for me. Push that away. I know what I'm supposed I'm going to stay right here in my hometown and, and go to church and work for God or whatever it is. But when you find that you you are pushing yourself away from certain aspects of the word, you are beginning to stiffen and harden your heart against those things. Amen. And so we cannot afford to do that. We've got to embrace that. One of the things I see people uh, uh going overboard on sometimes is on the things related to finances in the word. You can't just pull finances out of there and that's all you want to hear about and that's all you want to talk about and that's all you're interested in. There are some other building blocks in that word that you might need before you even get into having that level of prosperity that you think you're supposed to have in the word. It's amazing that if you would just let God be in control of it, the things that the word will bring you into and the understanding that he'll bring you into about the word. It's amazing some of the things that that you want to do and that he will call you to do. God is a God who will take people who are yielded to him and use those people. He doesn't care about your problems he doesn't care about what other people think about you or what you've never been able to do in your life that word will so convert your heart you'll see yourself the way god sees you for a change he sees you totally different than you ever have seen yourself amen and don't go borrowing titles off people you know don't don't borrow stuff get your own stuff from god amen let him call you. We got enough queens on Facebook. You understand what I'm saying? And while you're at it, learn how to be a servant. You can't be sitting up there with a crown on your head all the time. I mean, Queen Elizabeth puts on a hat most times. She don't have them crowns on her head every day. And she is the queen. So let's get out of this fictitious way of living for God. See, let me tell you why people pick up stuff like that. Because it's cheap and it's easy to acquire. What's real from God takes some effort on our part. It takes some humility. It takes us letting go of some nonsense that we've been holding on to. Many times, you know, this, uh, you know, people, some of them have been in faithful in certain churches all of their lives. And then they find out one day that the doctrine's been wrong about some things. You understand what I'm saying? Well, don't have a funeral for what you've been through. Come out and live. You know, we've all been mistaken and and been in error about things here and there. But there's a time when God pulls you out. You know, people. I hear people say things like, I wish I had known this a lot of years ago. I would have done. No, you wouldn't have. Because a lot of years ago, you was out kicking it, huh, and smoking and all that kind of stuff. You wouldn't have done it. But now that you know, be faithful in what you know. Amen. Now that God has found you, you let him have everything. Sit up and lament the past. 
What a waste of time. God found you when you were supposed to be found. Amen. Now come on in and show him what you got. Amen. Praise God. It's true. You know, you'll see people with attitudes toward, and God's people, the church turned me down, and they did this. and Why are you saved now? Well, the Bible says rejoice. They don't say to sit up and talk about what the church did wrong to you. What a waste of time. Be thankful for where you are. Be thankful for some of them people that treated you bad. You didn't stay there and get stupid like they are. huh? You came out. Bruised, beaten. Some of us, that's the only way we're going to leave a place. Some people got to throw us out and beat us up. It's the truth. Don't live in the past. Let God get that stuff out of your heart. You know, forgive people. You know, we all down here making mistakes, doing the best we can, whatever. But keep your heart right and pure toward God because that's the seat of your real power. The love of God is what the, the word feeds on. Amen. It feeds on not just faith, but love. You've got to have a love heart, uh, the, a fertile soil in your heart. You can't hold grudges against people. You can't stop and watch people when they walk into church to see if they speak to you. Huh? Huh? Who are you anyway? They're there for God. You know what I'm saying? You come for God, you'll always be welcome. You coming for something else, you're going to always feel strange. That's God making you feel strange. To learn how to stay focused on the right thing. So how do we keep the heart, soil of our heart ripe for the word, pre, you know, for uh, planting the word? Number one is through prayer. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed because you rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. There's right dividing and there's wrong dividing. And really, that scripture tells us we are to study the word with God, not study the word apart from God. So through prayer, add prayer to your study of the word. You know, it's as simple as saying, God, show me what you want me to see in the scripture. Show me something that's going to add to my faith and, and benefit me. Amen. You know, preachers, we're we're cheaters. We get in the word. We Dive in that word and we can find a revelation and make a sermon out of it. But then when it comes to living every day, we kind of get skimpy on that sometimes. And God has to show us and, and bring us back to that. No, you trying to, you know, cheat on class. You got to stay here with me because I want to show you some things about you. Some things that are pertinent for you. Some things you need personally so that you can grow into what I've, I've, I've called you to be. See, it's all about the purpose of God in our lives. It's not about what we want, what we have time for, what we don't have time for, what we think is important, what we think is too much. We don't want to be like this person and that person. Cut it out. Go in there and get what God has for you. Quit being so critical, amen, of spiritual things. So we study with God, not apart from God, but with him. So the Bible is not just a book, but it's alive. Amen. 
So it talks back to us. The pages of the word actually talk to us when we read them. We are to study in the presence of God. And we can ask him questions and get answers for our needs. I can remember at a certain point when I I started, when I was preaching, I would prepare messages. And God would give me a title that he, just, just a title. And I would think about it, and I said, that don't even sound like nothing I read. That don't even sound familiar. What am I going to do? And I said, oh, that couldn't be God. Because <laughs> I did that for I did that for what? And I found out it was him. And what God wanted was for me to trust him, to show him what he meant when he gave me that. Now, something that simple, but it shock you how long it took me to figure it out. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, for you, but for me, it took a little bit. Amen. But now I can get titles from him, and I can, uh, and you know, this is the other thing: time. Uh, you know, if I start start two days before, okay, God, get the title. What's it mean? What's it mean? What's it mean? Nothing comes. Then the next day, what's it mean? What's it mean? What's it mean? Nothing comes. The morning I'm to preach. What's it mean? What's it mean? You understand what I'm saying? That's God. That's how he deals with people. That's how he divests you of yourself. That's how, why he strips you of who you are and what your abilities are. And him having to work at a comfort time for us. What's comfortable for me? God, if we can do it two days ahead, I would really love it. And you don't get it. Huh? God, if I can do it right now, I would really love it. And you don't get it. Huh? I remember I I don't know who it was. Somebody, I was, I was on my, that morning, didn't get a message yet. Got to church, sitting in the office, and I started, oh, the message is here. And somebody came in wanting prayer. I said, you didn't No, no, no. And I mean, usually if people want prayer, they know I'll pray for them when the service starts. That's the best time. But this person was in a desperate condition. And I'm like, come on now, spit it out. You, you on my God time now, girlfriend. <laughs> but God will test us like that. He will test us because your faith can activate whenever he activates it. Your understanding. Of things that are, are in your spirit. You don't know what's in there until there's a demand to bring it out. And God will push us to the max on the demand to bring it out. And you know, you think you've mastered it. And you think you're good. And it, you know, you think you got it all together. And you got God figured out. And then some will come up. And you, there you are, strung out again. Like that lady got confused at the conference. You don't mess with me during that time. I know what I got to do. And if you ain't on the program, you don't mess with it. You understand what I'm saying? Because you don't have a lot of time. And you can't wing it. And you don't have time for a preacher that don't show up. And you got to do the word. Because you have faith for people showing up and and not for people not showing up. 
But now you got to switch over and have faith for people not showing up. You understand me? And so God will have you, he'll say, this is the day you pour out. And you get in your spirit and I'll give you a scripture and you got to pour out now. But God, this is a conference. You know, like y'all don't, y'all don't count, right? Every weekly people don't really count that much as conferences or I didn't mean that. But you know what? You can get in that mindset. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of No, I don't disrespect y'all. Y'all know that. But in your mind, you're comfortable here. But you get out of this and you have to get over there. And and then somebody comes in like prophet. Oh, Bishop so-and-so's here with me today. And he's... (laughs) One day you care about who's a bishop, right? But I'm telling you, God will stretch us so that there must be something in us at all times. And that's why you purify your heart. That's why you study with God. You talk to him. You let him in on what you're talking about. You let him in on the word that you're studying. You let him in on what you are getting to understand from the word. You let him in on it, period. Amen. Let him be in charge of it and let him be the author of it. Amen. We engage with God while we're, quote, unquote, in the word. And we allow him to explain, to expound, and to clarify what we read. Now, I told you I had set a goal for myself, read so many chapters a day, and blah, blah, blah. I got nothing out of that. I mean, for a while I did, but after a while it was just a religious thing. Check it off. I got it done for the day. And I was thinking, I said, God, when I wasn't so smart and I just had a Bible that my my aunt gave me, you understand what I'm saying? A very old King James Bible. I said, I hugged that Bible. I loved that Bible. I took that Bible. every. I would open it all times of the day and night. He said, you need to do that again. He said, you need to do that again because that is so necessary. Some of these things are so necessary for us. It's like going back to the place where you met somebody. Amen. Going back into a situation where, say, for instance, you're you're kind of like losing your footing somewhere and you've got to have something familiar to connect to so that you can find that familiar place again with God where we used to spend all kinds of unlimited time. Where I would do my housework and get things out of the way so I could make time for you. Or more likely, I'd do the word first. <laughs> Say, okay, God, help me with the housework. I got 30 minutes. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, either way, it works. Huh? And, and so that's what God wants, that purity in your heart. I just want God. I just want what you want for me. I'm going to give you all the time that's necessary. I'm not going to cut back on anything. I'm not going to try and tell you how to do this. I'm not going to give you a certain amount of time to do it or I'm going to be upset. You understand what I'm saying? I just want what you want for me when you want it in the order you want it in my life. You understand? Sometimes you need to let go of some some stuff. I know we're supposed to make our list and confess and You know what I'm saying. Put the picture up on the refrigerator. I've done all that stuff. 
But at the end of the day, it's just you and God. And and do you want him? Do you want to to please him? Do you want him to look at you and say, Boy, I'm I'm really I'm really pleased with what you did today. And have that reassurance. Sometimes he may not say it verbally, but sometimes you get that reassurance that you know what? This was a good day. This was a good God day. Amen. And you can say that to yourself when your heart's pure before God. You can know that you didn't. And God, if it's not such a good day, God, can you make tomorrow better? Let's have a good day tomorrow. I'm looking for good days with you. A pure heart will do that. But if your heart is full of love and your heart is 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 full of what God put in it in his word, you will produce a great harvest with your faith. Your faith will work like clockwork on everything that you need. If there's a delay or what you think is a delay, it doesn't upset you because you know it's coming. Your faith tells you it's coming every single day. God's not late with anything in your life if your heart's pure. Your bills are on time. Amen. If if you take if you ain't robbing Peter to pay Paul, now that's not a pure heart. God does so much better than that. I see people struggling, trying to figure out how to do. Man, really? God wants to do so much more, but He doesn't need our help in the plans. In anything. Just love him and, and, and appreciate him. Meditate on his word. Hide the word in your heart like it's gold because it is gold. Put that word first in everything. Let him do what he so wants to do. He wants to take us aside like he did the disciples and talk to us and explain things to us. Explain the parable. Explain what we don't know. Open up our understanding to things, doors we thought were closed to us. Suddenly we'll open because he, we give him ability and we give him authority to just take us aside and put inside of us what he wants to put inside of us. There's just so much more. There's so much more. Don't stop your growth in God because of, of mental fatigue. You know, these, these things that different types of soil we talked about. But always cultivate a humble heart, a pure heart, a worshipful heart, a heart that desires more of God to study more, to put that word on the inside of you, to let that word grow and, and begin to, to expound on it. Talk to yourself about it. I preached so many sermons in front of my mirror. I didn't even know I was called to preach. I, I thought I was being like my daddy. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, our daddy would talk to himself all the time. He liked scripture. You understand what I'm saying? He was called to preach, but he never did it. But, you know, here am I. And what am I going to do with it? Amen. And so always put God's word first. Don't don't let yourself talk yourself out of that. Like it's not important. Let it go for a day or something. A day becomes a week and a month and then a year and then more years. And so we, we need to do it today while it's day. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us. Thank you, Lord. You are a great helper, and we love you for it. We just so love you, Lord. We so love you. We so love you. We thank you. We bless you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for our time of fellowship. Bless our bread and water and take sickness from the midst of us. And we honor you today, Lord. We love you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Anybody need prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Amen. Before we adjourn to our meal. Praise God. And Merry Christmas. I don't think I'll see y'all again until after Christmas. Oh, no. Praise God.
Anybody else need prayer? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you, Lord, that you have revealed your glory to us. And we have partaken of it, Father. Thank you, Lord, for healing us. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us your word, drawing us closer to you, giving us answers, giving us understanding like never before. I thank you, Lord, that we have now ascended to a higher level in you, that we have achieved that place that you set for us to achieve on this day. And we thank you, Father, that we expect the more. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. All right, why don't we decree? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again.